Hi, my name is Colleen Swindoll Thompson, the director of Reframing Ministry, and I am so delighted to bring back my dear friend Joe Padilla, founder and CEO of the Mental Health Grace Alliance, which we are going to talk all about. But I want you to know today is going to be full of hope. Joe has worked with so many different people and various struggles. They are doing so well today. Wherever you are, there is hope. So, Joe, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here and uh, be a part of the program. Well, the last time we talked, you were just starting Grace Lions. Mm -hmm. You'd come back from Mission Field Recovery with your family situation, and out of that came the Alliance. Where have you been in the last few years? Yeah, it's actually uh, been quite a whirlwind uh, uh, because of the the need. And, and something that Dr. Sanford and I, who uh, we co-founded the organization together, is that we uh, didn't try to have a magic formula. We just were just trying to love people well and serve people well. And so the what's been interesting is that the need um, has made it grow. Uh, people are engaging and experiencing the hope and, and the materials and the curriculums that we've provided. So uh, back then, uh, probably what, two, three years ago, we were probably maybe I think about uh, eight states um, and just you know a, a handful of groups. Um, but now we are uh, over 100 groups uh, and in 19 states and several places around the world. Uh, because I think this is what uh, people are longing for, especially with that um, integration with the church and mental health. And you know what I forgot is we're not even, I didn't even tell people what is the Alliance? Yeah, so How are health, you helping people? Yeah, so Mental Health Grace Alliance is a re mental health recovery support organization. So what we do is we provide curriculum that helps people within that mental health journey, depression, anxiety, or even other diagnoses like bipolar or schizophrenia. And we help the family member and the person that's in that, that personal process. So we have support groups that we've created that are curriculum-based. They have tools, they have education, and that faith integration for it. And they work in any church. And then we also have a mental health recovery workbook. It's like a supplemental uh, program or a workbook that goes along any type of therapy mm -hmm. um, and helps to support that. And that's part of the mental health recovery process. And so that's kind of like our mental health recovery discipleship in a mm -hmm. sense. So we have that program. And then we have uh, various videos, webinars, and different things to help uh, bring the conversation out to the public and so that they can see a better way of how this integrates for greater hope. Now, I will say, I'm going to yank this up from down here because the booklet that you guys have is free online. I don't know why you're not charging for it yet. <laughs> it is the best, most thorough hope giving, you call it a booklet, I would call it a manual of, it, it's amazing. Um, because it covers the totality of healing. It's not saying you're bad or you have a problem. It's no, you've hit a bump in the road and we've studied this and here's what you do. Now talk about the the beginning part, the middle part, and when people get stuck in areas, Correct, yes. you take over. Okay, so the reason we put this booklet together is because um, in my journey, uh, being a pastor, a leader, a missionary, and and having a, a, uh, my wife go through this uh, challenge with mm -hmm. mental health and not having the practical guidance, um, going through the mental health care system and being absolutely confused, um, bouncing around from medication to therapist to doctor, all these different things, different programs, and even from the church process, 
Now, being, uh, you know, with my senior pastor and the elders, we're all good friends. We've known each other for 20 years, but we were all confused, you know, and that's where Dr. Stanford, being part of our church, helped us to kind of navigate that process, and it was frustrating. So when we started the organization, Dr. Sanford and I said, hey, we've got to have a way just to simplify this to make it easy for people. So that's why we created this booklet is one, just, hey, the heart of God, there is hope. And then the thing is, is how do you navigate the mental care system? Because it's absolutely confusing. So a a counselor versus a psychotherapist, and then you got your GP, and then you got a psychiatrist. So that's what we tried to really help people understand. How do you navigate that that process and the system so that it works to your, your advantage? You're not just confused and just getting all acute care, and then you're, you're still not getting, seeing progress. So that's that first part. The second part is just what are the daily tips? What are the daily things that that help in the mental health recovery process? Because it's not just about acute care, it's a holistic mm-hmm. focus. It's a whole health approach. So we just try to give daily tips of what can be helpful in your journey. And then that last part is when it's really challenging it's, and you're seeing some destructive things going on, what are some little tips that, that will help you navigate even that? So that just trying to give people a process and a way to navigate all the dynamics that go into this so that they can feel like they're moving forward. Because I tell you, when I was going through this, I was confused. You'd have begged to have this. Oh, that's why we wrote, that's right. why we put it together. Well, we learned through the right. through the mess so that we can provide a real way of moving forward. And that's our, that was our heart uh, in putting this together. And it's for free. We're not trying to uh, trick everybody. I know at, at it's a cost. amazing. You can pay me for it <laughs> <laughs> because it is so amazing. And one of the things that you've said in here is mental illness recovery is learning mental health resilience and life renewal. I love that because so many believe I will never have a full life like I long for. What kind of word would you have to say to them for that? Yeah, I think, you know, when, when we look at this, we, we, we just say, look, it's this is not going to be about trying to find the breakthrough cure or the breakthrough healing. This is going to be about the process of hope and rebuilding life. And so when mental health recovery doesn't mean like you're gonna have this absolute cure. Now, we have seen some cases where we've seen incredible progress. Um, However, even with my wife, you know, there's still medication involved in that, but it's really low and minimal. However, it's part of our journey and that's okay. But when we say mental health recovery, we're saying, Resilience. Yes. You're learning a new resilience of life so that yes. you can manage these symptoms. You can manage the, the challenges that you're going through where you, the mental illness or the mental health challenge is not controlling you. You are controlling it. And so you're learning how to manage that and walk in such a way that there is hope, there is improvement. And what mental health recovery shows is as you learn the resiliency of life, then you're learning that that symptoms actually decrease. They get less and less. You should see the, the, the less need for professional care, not eliminating it, but you're not having to rely on it so heavily because you've learned a holistic way of living life, not just acute care crisis management, but learning the full beauty of life. And that mm-hmm. is part of the whole grace process. As one uh, individual told me, he said, you know, this hasn't been the miracle that I've been looking for, but what I do find is it's been slow miracles and God's been good through the whole process. Wow. Um, that's really amazing that he said that. And I think we do want that three-step plan. And I think the church is programmed in many ways to have a three-step plan for divorce recovery or for raising your children or whatever, which I 
don't happen to believe plans work because I tried so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> However, when you talk about resiliency and developing those skills daily, what does that look like? Well, it, it, it depends on where somebody is. So a lot of times what we, like in our, our, our Thrive Workbook is this mental health recovery mm -hmm. process. Now our support groups have all these different topics and this, a lot of similar tools, but they work on a, on a community basis. Mm -hmm. But the Thrive Workbook helps them walk through different parts of life. So we, we don't just try to say, well, let's just fix your, your emotions or just try to fix your brain. Let's look at life in a process. So a lot of times, we don't really try to to try to address all the big issues and stuff. We just look at, well, yeah, how's sleep going? And then mm -hmm. here are some tools that will help you get better sleep. Mm -hmm. Because if, you, if you'll have better sleep, then you'll have better emotions to really kind of go through the process. So a lot of, a lot of times it's, you know, that's kind of that stress inoculation, learning how to manage the stress physically mm -hmm. and how to handle those symptoms physically so that you can work things down. And then you're just building on more different tools or different factors that will help the person manage those symptoms. And as they manage those symptoms, they build resiliency and those symptoms become less and less because they have a better resiliency mm -hmm. to manage those things. So you're moving from uh, physical, then you're learning some mental exercises and different okay. things for the thoughts where you're building uh, reframing uh, factors. I like that word. From the, yeah, so <laughs> you're reframing some things. Right. But then you're, right. as you're reframing, you're building new associations and some better attachments to who God is and how that interacts with your life. So that actually could have a, an effect on your mood. And then again, you're looking at it from spiritual things and even relationships because that's how we're designed. We're designed with a whole health approach of getting better, not just, well, we're just gonna deal with the symptoms, so take this medication and make sure you see that doctor, and then, well, how do you, how do you manage the whole life? Because mental health recovery is not just about uh, the tools, it's about your environment, it's about your community, and also the narrative of what you're working with, especially from a faith-based uh, process. Well, what do you do with the person who says, you know, I had the worst experience in my church, and because, as you said, we're were made holistically, and I love how you write that. It's mental wellness. There was another word in there that that was very similar to that. But that has to begin and end with the value of a person, which our value comes from the Lord. So if a person says, I don't trust him, which having a narrative or a history of trauma could be very, very valid, right. or for whatever reason, how do you how do you lead them forward? Right. Well, you know, and, and I'm not an expert, so I'm not a mental health professional. No, you are an expert. Like no, I'm he's not. an expert. No, so <laughs> you are. But but just the different things that I've I've learned as far as reading up on counseling or therapy or neuroscience and different things, and even looking at faith from a um, a grace perspective and mm -hmm. understanding this process. So somebody, because we work with this all the time, and um, because when you take somebody who's having depression and anxiety. When you look at it from a neuroscience standpoint, um, in their brain right in here, this is the amygdala. Mm -hmm. And so that, and what the research shows that people with depression and anxiety, their amygdala, their threat center is like this. So it's, yeah. it's hyperactive all the time. Yep. So that's making them very defensive. And so if they're hearing a message, then it, it goes through that defensive process. And that defensive thing is um, uh, also causing them to uh, judge what they're hearing and it's also a self-judgment. So, and then- that's exactly what I have with John. That's, that's the exact experience we just had. Okay, so, so in, in that process, and then also what you also have is in 
Uh, depression anxiety, you have what's called anhedonia, which is the inability to experience pleasurable emotions. And that's because in the prefrontal cortex, it's not active to a, a normal level as a normal person would, would say normal, who is actually normal. Right, right. Okay. So, but the, what the brain's showing is in that process, it's it's low. So in your in your prefrontal cortex, that's where you're processing life, that's where you're making decisions, and that's where you're regulating mood. So that individual is not able to experience the positive emotions that is coming from the pulpit or from the church experience. Hmm. The amygdala is like this. It's very defensive. They're in fight or flight mode or freeze, and then they're stuck. And, and doesn't that affect the prefrontal cortex? Well, but that's, if you're in the fight or flight response, then the prefrontal well, yeah, because it's all working. It shuts it's, down. So it's it's all working in that in that manner, which is leaving the person in a hyperactive uh, response mm -hmm. to what they're hearing. So if they hear a message. God loves you, um, we should be discipling more, we should be evangelizing the world, all those things. So that kind of brings up the, the, the place of, I'm not experiencing that, and I don't I feel that. Me. And so and then they go into a lot of self-judgment, a lot of, and what, so the stronger the anxiety, the more scrupulosity they're going to have, scrupulous thinking. And so it's a self-judgment. So then they can't connect with the, what they're hearing emotionally and even from a mental processing. So they. They just sink within themselves and they get more and more and more and more discouraged. And all that's going through is, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? It's just me. I'm wrong. And Lord, even am I even really saved? Mm -hmm. Lord, where am I with you? And God, where are you? So if you understand that that's their experience, we don't need to force them to feel God or try to experience God. It's just reaffirming that they're safe and that they're okay. In psychology and counseling, um, they like to do the, the, that it's, it's more about belonging and then behavior. Mm -hmm. But sometimes in the church, not all churches, but sometimes in the church, they get the behavior in order to belong. Right. You do this, then you'll know you belong. When we actually need to reverse that because the belonging is about safety and control. Don't we all want that too? We all want that. So, okay, for example, I worked with an individual and he gave me permission to share okay. uh, his journey. So he goes to a, a very positive uh, environment as far as church, very charismatic in one mm -hmm. sense. And so they have these incredible nights of worship and these all these things. But uh, the message that's coming is, hey, let's evangelize, um, let's worship, let's dance, let's all these things. However, for his challenge, there's the anxiety, there's mm -hmm. a little bit of depression. So he can't feel that encouragement. Mm -hmm. So it causes a lot of self-doubt within himself and then he goes and he sinks and he feels triggered and he feels he gets all worked up. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to talk and he's like, hey, I don't, you know, can we can we talk about this? Because I'm such in a different place. And he's been through all kinds of dynamic, uh, <sighs> you know, destructive types of th thinking and all kinds of difficulties. And fortunately, he's got a great community around him. We've worked with his community and things like that. So today we're just like, okay, so let's go through this process of understanding that you're okay. And so we went through one of the tools that we have in our Thrive Workbook, and it's also in our, our uh, Living Grace group for peers who are in this journey. That churches can get anywhere, anywhere. on the site. Yeah, and it's simple because these so tools, uh, these are evidence-based tools, yes. which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. They're just principles. They're not the full therapeutic process. Mm -hmm. So here we have a, a person who can't connect emotionally can't okay. connect to the message. He is going through a lot of triggers for himself. He's getting flooded. He's getting flooded. He feels really overwhelmed and he feels really discouraged. And mm -hmm. and and his, his battle within is maybe there's something in me that still needs to be 
um, dealt with mm-hmm. in order for God to come a little closer or for me to experience God because he's not experiencing God and that's the message that, they, that they, he's getting. So we go through this whole process. So we just start, okay, so the first step is how do you identify what's going on? What's the trigger? Well, it's this environment. Okay, okay. so this message. They're worshiping and they say, hey, let's dance, let's worship, let's do all this. So he doesn't feel that. And he shrinks in. And so, yeah, 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 so he's shrinking in. So then we just go through the second step. And the second step is just recognizing what's going on. So what are the thoughts you're having? What are the emotions you're having? And what are the what is the physical response you're having? So he so he goes through. Well, I'm going through the uh, maybe something's wrong with me. There's still a barrier here, um, and so God has to deal with me. Mm. So it's a real, it's a real harsh. Then we go through the uh, his emotions. Well, I feel a lot of despair, mm. and then I said, Well, what physically are, he, are you experiencing? He says, I feel nauseous. Oh wow! So. So it's like, okay, so what that's telling you is that you're having an anxious response to your environment and to this message, and your body's going into a defense mechanism, and because that's what's happening uh, uh, a lot with that, no, uh, that nauseous yeah, feeling. Yeah. So then, okay, so that's good. So then, then we just go to the third step is really kind of identifying what's the mental trap, um, and really his message was, I'm just not enough. Oh. So, okay. But that's where a lot of people just stop. It's like, okay, well, be encouraged because God loves you. And so we just went through this tool and just said, hey, okay, so, well, so let's what go for What would it take to be enough? Do, I mean, well, do you ask that? Well, no, but see, I don't tell him what to think. Okay. I help him discover. Okay, so it's Socratic method of reasoning, basically. Yeah, so uh-huh. because we have to help. I want to empower him and right. his discovery rather right. than him rely on what I have to share. Right. So we just walked through the tool and just said, okay, so let's just, let's just see. If this is true, would your roommates say that you are a disobedient uh, person uh, to God? They would say, he said, no, uh, they would never say that. Mm. Would you ever say to somebody else that they're not enough and they're disobedient? He's like, no, I would never say that. Okay, so there's probably some overreaction here to how you're feeling. Would you agree or not agree? He's like, yeah, no. This is so great. Okay, and then I said, okay, so now, if that kind of sounds a little strange for you, now let's take this into compassion mode. Because I, I want him to learn the, the self-compassion towards himself. Yeah, that whole section in here on self-compassion, Yeah, that was probably the hardest one for me to read through. Well, because the because we are not taught to be self-compassionate. Mm-hmm. But if we understand compa- self-compassion and how compassion and comfort works and how our brains and our body respond to comfort, we will see a lot of uh, calming and, and in a lot of cases, a lot of healing. So wow. that's why I have to, this tool is important. So we just went through, okay, so hey, if there was a little boy that had all these same feelings, mm. feels like he's disobedient, he's not enough for his family or God or anybody, what would you say to this little boy? And he just goes off on this beautiful tangent of comfort and grace for this little boy. And then I said, okay, so then if that's what you would say to a little boy, then what would, what would he, God say to you? What would mm. be the heart of God for you? What would Jesus say to you? And he just goes into this incredible revelation And he starts saying, you know, that he said, it's not about God being punitive. God's not punitive with us. This experience is to really provide a greater platform for intimacy. And I was like. From the guy who was so bound up to that? Yeah. So within two minutes, just going through this conversation. So he goes from complete anxiety, Mm. just he is not enough and wrestling nauseous to two minutes later, he's saying, 
yeah, this is about a greater platform for the intimacy. And I, and I was like, bro, that'll disciple, <laughs> that'll preach. Yeah, oh my you goodness. You want my job for a week? <laughs> I'm like, that's incredible. That, that is, is huge. And then just encourage him and affirm, affirming him is like, that came from you and, and, and helping him understand, look, that is the flow of God. Mm. It's not that we have to hear God and try to get God and all these things. It's just understanding that God is in flow with your daily life and that is organic from you with the integration of God in your life. And then we just reviewed scripture and he knows scripture and then he was really encouraged. And then all I had to do was just make some things humorous. I don't want to make it serious and I don't want to right. make it too light. Right. But we just, and then he's laughing, he's chuckling and he's, and then he's like, well, I, now I just need to practically learn how to go to church. And I was like, well. Isn't that a good comment? Learn how to go to church. Well, and he was, in, but the, the thing is, is like, well, maybe I should avoid this and this and this and this. I said, well, now you have a new perspective. So maybe it's going to the service with a new perspective and knowing where your boundaries are when you get worked up. And now you know how to, to come back to a place of comfort and grace. And that's mental health recovery from a mm -hmm. spiritual sense because what that is, is the mastery of grace. Mm -hmm. And that is what's beautiful about this person's life. And that teaches me a lot. It's amazing. That, okay, that is so antithetical to how we think of helping other people. Um, I had a therapist who did a lot of Socratic reasoning with me. So as I grew a voice, it wasn't the therapist, it was me talking and I was like, I didn't know that was in there. I didn't know that could be in there. Right. How can the church then not be afraid? Because there's nothing difficult about asking a question. So. Tell me what you are feeling right now. What are the triggers going on? I mean, tell us some questions. Well, I think I, I think it's that you know what we do with the with the church, and we also have a training for uh, church leaders, and we call it Mental Health One Hundred and One. And we might it's change also it. on the site. Go to the site. <laughs> so so um, and what we what we tell pastors and church leaders is is that you don't have to feel like a counselor, mm -hmm. and you don't have to feel like a psychologist or anything. And you don't have to worry about, is this mental illness or not? It's just learning to recognize the psychological distress they're in yes. and know how to use the tools that will help you for the immediate, but then also the partnership with others in the community as far as professionals or community support mm -hmm. so that you're not having to try to do this all on your own. And the, a lot of these tools, that even just that tool, um, I don't see, think a pastor's gonna do all of that because you know that they they may not want to, or they and they might want to. However, they're going to learn that in the support group, mm. and so that's where it's like as a pastor or as a church leader, they have so many responsibilities right. within the church to oversee, and then to try to do one meeting like this and learn all these things, rather than, as a church leader knowing what are the resources, what are the support mechanisms that are in the community, or whether it's our grace group or another uh, type of support group that because they're gonna learn these tools and these different things and that community heals themselves. Mm. And so they work together. And so that's the beauty of that. Now, I just happen to have um, some uh, places where I can help individuals because of what I know and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't expect uh, pastors or even lay leaders to know everything you know, that I've learned, that but they can learn the simple little tools and little things to help people along the way and get them connected mm -hmm. to the right resources within their community. Now, for the church that's very small that says we don't have any kind of support groups anywhere around, they can go online and find you guys, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so, and we, and we make it really easy for churches to have our groups uh-huh. um, because we have removed the cost barrier of training. Uh-huh. So there's no $800, $1,000 training. We've actually made the training for free. All they have to do is order the workbooks that they need for their group, and we give them discounts if they order more. And so they don't, there is no barrier on training. It's all for free. They just register, and then we have six videos that they can go through and be trained to facilitate one of our groups, and we make it simple and easy. I told Dr. Sanford when we started this organization, mm-hmm. if it's not simple, I'm not doing it. Well, because you can't think. When you're in a place of um, mental duress of any kind, you can't think very well about how I can solve these problems because, like you said at the beginning of your journey, you didn't have this book and you wished you had it. Mm-hmm. So you've made it available for anyone who can get online to go through this and to be a part of a grace group. Right. And it's simple. Yeah, and it's simple. And that's and that's what we've done with the churches. That's why the, the groups have taken off so well all across the nation and different parts of the world is because the way we've designed the curriculum is um, not just talking about it, but it's resiliency management. Mm. And so that's part of that mental health recovery. So we, we start off with a, a, a scripture and a story in the Bible. Mm. And how does God relate to mental health within that story? Then they just talk about it. And they discover. So there's a lot of discovery learning. And whenever you That's have discovery, cool. when you have discovery learning, you have empowerment. And so they get empowered through dialogue and teaching. Then they then they go to facts. And that's then the facts will have some education points and some questions for more discussion. And then we'll have a tool or a worksheet that they review, whether it's um, for the family members, whether it's how do you communicate with your loved one? What do I need as a loved one? Mm-hmm. You know, or the or the peer, um, it's learning things like breathing or muscle relaxation, which is that stress inoculation, or the cognitive restructuring, where they're getting that that tool that we just talked about, they're getting that tool and they work it through as a community and they learned other factors uh, within that. And we've done research on these groups with the pure. This is phenomenal, I can't say it enough. It is so, it is yeah. so So the great. research that we found with our Living Grace group, which is the peer group, we've the and this is published, so you can go on our website and, and look at the research and it shows that it reduces symptoms, it aids in mental health recovery mm-hmm. and it renews faith. Mm-hmm. And so I, we're, it's like, well, it works. <laughs> because because we're providing faith, education, yes. and tools for that self-management resiliency for mental health recovery. How do we keep um, pastors from being afraid of entering this, this some kind, I mean, stigmatized, but also just entering this world because it, it's so labeled? And I'm thinking, aren't we integrated? How do you... St- Cross that barrier with pastors. Yeah, you know, uh, dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think it takes conversation and inviting them to the table rather than pushing them. All over social media, and, and I see it, and some people forward some some uh, articles to me and, and, you know, how the church hurt them and things like that. And I get that, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. But if you understand the heart of a pastor, they weren't trying to right. hurt people. Right. They're just misinformed. You know, the because seminaries don't talk about this, then they don't get ongoing education or training with this. So the, this, statistically, it's over 70% of pastors feel ill-equipped to respond to mental health and mental health needs. So if they don't know what the, the to, to uh, if they don't know how to address it, then right. they don't know how to talk about it. Right. So it goes unheard. So what I actually do um, to help with this is I have a, uh, we often put on a luncheon. Um, right. And and it's called solutions, and we and it's solutions for 
the church and mental health needs. Fantastic. And so what I do in this, it's it's one. Is it online? Is it in no, your not, area? No, we well I I do them. Uh, I've done them online, and mm-hmm. I've done uh, done them, and I've traveled to different places to do these. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I do is we just get the pastors and different church leaders together for one hour. Okay. okay. And what we do is uh, what I do is just help them understand what's going on with mental health and why is it so confusing from the church perspective because it's a whole different avenue because no one comes in saying, I think I'm coming down with bipolar as if it's a cold. (laughs) No, they're coming in with a spiritual problem, but they don't know the different questions to ask to understand the mental health factor that's going on there. Mm. So we talk about that. And then we talk about what is the hope of mental health recovery? And I show them some radical research on mental health recovery that's happening and the ingredients of why those things work and how they tie into exactly what's in, in the Bible. It's kingdom principles. And then at the end, we just review. Here are the simple things that you as a church can do so that you as a pastor don't feel overwhelmed, but you have the immediate resources and the different things that you can start in your church, whether you have our groups or NAMI Mm -hmm. or different organizations to come together because they're all there. It's just knowing how to put them together. Okay, and Alan, so, and again, but the thing is, is somebody said, you know, oh, oh my goodness, it's like you guys have the secret sauce for mental health and the church and all that stuff. And I, I said, hey, there's nothing new under the sun. We do not have some secret sauce or whatever. Right. All we've done is taken what's already out there, what we already know, and strategize them in, a, in such a way that it's simple and it's practical to help see people get better right. from a family perspective, a marriage, or an individual. Mm-hmm. And then the stories are just beautiful. So how many pastors at a lunch or at all the luncheons have discovered in themselves a resistance because their own mental health um, may have been, they may have had damage in their past. And so their resistance without knowing they're resistant is higher. Yeah, that's a whole other, uh, that's a whole (laughs) other topic because um, uh, some of the research I've looked at shows that um, uh, even Lifeway uh, is uh-huh. one of, they have that up. It's I think it's up to like twenty five percent of pastors mm-hmm. they themselves mm-hmm. are struggling, and then I saw some other research that shows that up to I think it's over fifty percent of pastors are talking to their GP over stress. Well, who wouldn't be stressed as a pastor? <laughs> well, I know. I don't know who would want to be one. <laughs> yeah. So, the, so you're seeing it's it's happening in the pulpit right. as the same number as it's happening in the church. You see, but there's a disconnect because it's a conversation that's not taking place because they don't know how to talk about it. So that's why we're coming in with this little luncheon and this little presentation to give them the right language, to give them the right understanding. And usually I have pastors that come up afterwards and they're saying, thank you. I, I, this was so intriguing to me. Yes. And then they start going into their personal journey or their church and they're like, hey, you know, and they look at everybody else in the room and say, hey, we're in because this, this, this makes sense. And, and that's because they've never had something in their language. They're yeah. always being forced to understand from the professional side, here's what's going on and here's how you're hurting people. And it's like, no, that's the wrong approach. It's like, you love people. You wanna take care of people. I've right. talked to pastors all the time. They care. Right. They just don't have the language. They don't have the tools. And all and they can't read everybody's minds. No, they can't. And they have all these kinds of things that right. they're trying to run in the church as well. So right. we're just giving them a, the simple way to understand and know what to do so it doesn't feel like a burden. And so and there's some beautiful stories of how this works. Uh, one example, we've talked about this before um, in one of our webinars mm-hmm. and things like this, is that um, one church um, in the Dallas uh, Metroplex area. Um, the Which you guys are moving into, aren't you? 
I mean, you're like becoming more of a prevalent. Yeah, no, in, in the Dallas area, I, I'd say probably a third of our movement is here. We have over 20 groups in Dallas. That's fantastic. Dallas, Fort Worth area. So, um, and it's still growing. But one of the churches that um, has our family grace group and they have uh, the, the uh, living grace group, which is for peers. And then they have a NAMI class as well. So a family comes into the church, they wanna meet with the pastor and the elders for prayer okay. because they have a situation going on. The pastors and the elders, they meet with them for maybe 30, 45 minutes or something like that. Um, they pray for them, they hear them, and they love on them really well, minister to them really well. And they recognize that this was mental health related. Mm. So the pastor, the senior pastor, this is a very large church. They have a, a probably 15,000 members, okay? So the pastor, senior pastor, takes the family, the couple, and walks them over to the other side of the campus where the family grace group has been meeting, and he says, here's where you need to be. The family goes in, and then the group just embraces them, and then they just start sharing their story and how they relate, and then that couple just starts crying because they said, we just didn't know anything like this existed. But the senior pastor hands them off into a comforting community that he knows is going to work and care for them so that he can go back to the responsibilities he has for the whole church, not feeling that he has to be in on every meeting. And this now family is getting everything that they need from the tools and different things that the group is presenting to them and helping them navigate through with community. And empathy, isn't empathy so necessary for any kind of healing process? Absolutely. Because when I would go to a special needs group and and feel like it maybe wasn't safe, I wasn't gonna leave my son. But when I felt like they understood me yeah. and they could handle it, it was like, you feel that way too? Yeah. Oh, I'm so not alone. Right. What, what has been some of the outcomes as churches have adopted this? Yeah, I think what, what we see is um, a great community. Um, and knowing the security and the confidence of helping people in this journey. Because um, uh, there are churches like, um, there's a church in Chicago. Um, they actually started one of the, fa the family grace group and the pastor's been involved. And uh, so he announced it, you know, and, um, and then they started their group. They had 80 people show up for the first night because it was that much of a need. And so what's happened is, is it created a community of safety oh. for this whole genre that's, been so silent and it's not silent anymore. There is a place for you at church. Mm -hmm. So I think the greatest outcome is community. And the second one is changed lives. Mm -hmm. I have heard story after story of how people have come through. They have found so much more insight and more tools and how to navigate their situation. And you know, and some of their situations are very challenging and ongoing and difficult but they themselves have been changed. I've watched marriages where the, the spouse was in the living grace group and the, the other spouse was in the family grace group. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then over time, at, by the end, they're, they've been separated, but now at, by the end of the groups, they're dating again, you know, and they're Incredible. seeing each other. So they're restoring marriages. And that's what I mean by changed lives because now they're seeing, okay, I'm okay with God. I'm okay with you. We're okay with each other. Mm -hmm and there's a place to grow. And that's what the honest aspect of all of this is, is that, that it, it's okay to be in suffering and it's okay that you have felt God has been silent because he actually is trusting you in this whole process as well. Now with the neuroscience being what it is, and, I, and I've studied some, not to the extent that you have, <laughs> No, you probably have. No, we've had conversations, so <laughs> I, you know a lot. Well, I'm just saying, what do you, um, how, 
equip us when we start seeing someone getting flooded, whether their eyes are dilating, their mouth gets white, or they're trembling a little bit, or their face gets flushed, they're nauseated. What are words that as a person who cares can help with that? Well, you know, I think I think it's um, first, the, the, what I'd say in, in that situation is, you wanna exude rest and confidence. Mm. You wanna exude that from yourself, that you're okay and they're okay that they're in a, in a bad place. It's when you come at them and, okay, um, okay, so now here, okay, so uh, that, that makes, Let's go down and pray. Yes, let's look at these verses. Yeah, so, and you know, and, and, and so in that situation, um, I'm always looking for uh, grounding orientation. Okay. Hey, are you okay? Hey, can, you know, do you, you know, depending on if they're having a, if they're really kind of disassociating, uh-huh. kind of, you know, doing that, or if they're just there and they're just you know having a panic kind of feeling, mm-hmm. then it, it then it's just communicating that they're safe. Hey, it's okay, and validating that that it's okay that they're suffering. So here's an example. Okay, okay so you're valid. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here's me. an example. We had a. Uh, I was leading. I was actually facilitating one of our our peer groups, and the the gentleman next to me started having a panic attack, oh. right in the middle of group, and and I'm and so, you know, and he's like. <gasps> Those are awful. Yeah, okay. So, and you know, and, and for some reason, this group was just, you know, large this uh, particular evening. So we had probably had 15 people in the room, so probably overwhelming. And he probably felt overwhelmed. So he's sitting right next to me having a panic attack, and I'm trying to facilitate <laughs> the group. So he starts having a panic attack. And so I just stopped. Stop. And, I, and I was like, I, I exuded safety. I was like, hey, it's okay. And I looked at the room and said, hey, it's okay. Is this okay? And everybody's like, hey, we all understand. We get it. You know, we understand that. <laughs> I'm glad it's not me this time. <laughs> yeah, it but, may be me next you know, time. And so, and so all I did was just try to ground. Hey, are you okay? Do you need, do you, would you like to leave? You know, and just helping him feel comfortable. And he said, no, I want to be here. <laughs> and, and he said, okay, well, hey, everybody, why don't we just do a, uh, some breathing together? So let's just breathe in three seconds. Breathe out. Breathe in. Hold it. And it's diaphragm breathing. It's diaph- not up here. It's no, and it's just in. like, and what I was trying to communicate is it's okay. This is not bad. Right. You having a panic attack is not a bad thing, and you're not a bad person. All we need to do is just respond. Just let's work it down. And, you know, and he did. And he just, he calmed down, and then I just said, hey, what, is it okay? Would you like to step outside to get some fresh air? He said, no, I want to be here. I'm gonna lay down and take a nap. Actually, no, he was like, <laughs> I feel so rested. And so I was like, okay, well, all right. So, all right, well, hey, let's go on with the group. And so I just went on with the group, and he just sat there, and he just calmed down, calmed down, calmed down, and that was it. That was beautiful, and I'm like, that's church. Come on, that is church. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's that, do that is church, where you go. If you're struggling, I embrace you. Yeah, no, and, and we're not afraid of suffering. We're, you know, that's the thing, and and it's it's okay, you know, because we have to realize that. Suffering doesn't mean distance. Right. You know, distance is an illusion. Okay? That's this whole thing about when you're suffering, reach out to God. That it's, feels so lonely sometimes. Yeah. But however, the scripture says, you know, we have a treasure within. Yeah. So you're just tapping to what's already within you. This is, he is with you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are seated with Christ. Uh-huh. There is never any distance. That whole language is an illusion. So right now in a panic, I'm secure for you and I want you to be secure as well. Uh-huh. If you're not, it's okay because Christ is in this panic attack with you. I bet they've never thought of that. Well, well, no, they don't because that's not what, if you're suffering, you get to God. 
It's, but the thing is when, that in suffering, it's realizing that he is within uh-huh. and he is with you. So whatever the suffering is, God is in all things, whether the heights or the depths, he is there. And if he is there, then God is love. So love is constant. And then that takes us into the beauty of 1 Corinthians 13, because yeah, yeah. love, if you notice all that love, it's a response to suffering. That's a lo- that's a response to trials. Love is patient. Love is kind. Huh. Love believes all things, endures all things. Look at the nature of love and what he's and what that whole message is. Mm-hmm. That's how God is with us, and that's how God is within us. It's beautiful, and they're not. And, and a lot of times, it's just they're they're just focusing on I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken, and I need God, I need God, I need God, I need God, I need God. When it's you are you already, you are already in God. You are already safe. And I always tell people, God is absolutely satisfied with you, but you don't know what my depression is like. Okay, I may not. However, what I do know is that God is absolutely satisfied with you. But you don't know what I did last week. God is absolutely satisfied with you, and that's okay. You but know, they not? Is that just so shocking? That is shocking. Well, I had one individual, uh, and uh, and he has a very uh, challenging uh, mental illness. He's on disability, and his life's been transformed. And one day, he just said, um, "How does God see me? How does when God looks at me, what does He see?" Aww. And I just I just sat back and I just chuckled. I said, "Well, that's really easy." Well, he how does he's a wonderful, incredible well, masterpiece. Well, I just said, well, the, I just, I just looked at him. I said, well, well, how does he see Jesus? And he said, okay, I get it. Uh, and then about a month later, he comes in, and he's sitting with all the anxiety, and he's got all these things, and he's doing this, and he's like, um, um, I need to tell you something. And he's doing this, and he's doing that, and this is one of the most beautiful stories. And so I, I said, okay, all right, just tell me what's going on. And he says, I'm just starting to realize that God loves me. And I sit back and I had a little tear. I'm like, I'm done. We just closed the doors. That's, that's it. I mean, if that's what you got, I, we fulfilled everything. You know, because yeah. I know what this gentleman struggles with in his, his journey. And that's the beauty of transformation. Mm. And transformation is always based on love and the comfort and that grace and not trying to get more favor, we are already in favor. Not to try to get more holiness, we are already in His holiness. Mm -hmm. Not to try to get more righteousness, we are already in His righteousness. And helping them feel safe and okay, but you don't know my symptoms. Yeah, but He does, and He's right there with you, Mm -hmm. walking it with you. You know, and that's that part of that journey and helping them feel safe. And that's why I always tell, and um, uh, talked about the the church having a a, a new meta-narrative of hope mm. because they're just getting the crisis acute care model mm-hmm. and that's what we how we need to treat people with mental illness but the new meta narrative is there's hope mm-hmm. you can get better mm-hmm. i don't know about the mental illness and all the factors but there is a way and a process it doesn't have to be this way mm-hmm. and i know that i know that i know that mm-hmm. i know that i know it can get better than this mm-hmm. so let's just enter into the story not the program you can go through any program and come out with all the principles, but let's enter into a story of a new meta narrative of mm-hmm. hope for you. And let's just walk that journey through all the ups and the downs because he's all in for it. What do you do with the church member who 
is terrified to even be vulnerable and talk about their um, feeling totally unloved because we cannot give what we don't have. Sure. So how do you bring the person who is in the church and wants to help, but isn't that isn't in them? So like the, the person who wants to serve or the person themselves, they just don't feel... The person who feel... wants to serve and they don't feel like they're loved. Like serving is a doing thing rather than a desire because I've been there. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think it's... Uh, my, my, my thing is I don't care. Right. I, I don't care where people, I mean, we're Why all Why do people, people care so much? Well, I mean, I care. I know, You know I what know. I'm saying? I do, I, but, but I don't make those things an issue. I right. just let them be where they're at. Right. And let them, because the thing is, is we get people in the group all the time that they come in and they don't want to say anything. Okay, well, don't say anything. You're not forced to. There's this big push on transparency and all that stuff. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Give them time. You you can be transparent when you want to be transparent. Right. You're, we're not forcing you into it. So just come to the group. Just tell your name. You don't have to tell anything about your life. Let's just go through this curriculum together. And that's the beauty about the curriculum because it, it allows them to share what they want, not forced to share what they want. And so at the beginning of the group, we just say, hey, we don't need to know about any diagnosis or anything like that. Just share your name so we at least know everybody who is in this group. Right. And then we go through the guidelines and then we go through the, the material. And what I always see in the group is that the material just starts to open them up and yeah. say, hey, you know, my journey's been like this mm -hmm. and I've struggled with this. And they become more, It's a, because the thing is, is you don't, we don't want to force them into love. We want them to help see them that they're safe and they're comfortable. And then when the right time is, they can open up when they want to. So if they want to serve and they're still in this in this journey about, uh, you know, I don't feel like I'm fully there yet. Mm. Well, who, who is? You know, I'm not fully there yet, right. you know. However, let, but work with what you have. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and if all they have is, I just want to serve and I'm still trying to figure out, mm. well, the fact that they want to serve shows that's love in a yeah. huge way. They just don't, they just don't see it because they're comparing themselves to, all these incredible people who are on the deeper end of the gene pool, you know, they can right. do everything. Right. But but I'll tell you, I've seen people with paranoid schizophrenia and they they are a part of the group. They don't want to lead the group, they don't want to facilitate it, but they want to have a role and they want to mm. have a voice in the group. And and people like that, I've seen them bring other people to the group. So they're serving in their own way, even though they may not have the full uh, beauty of love and this and that or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they're doing that shows that's Christ in them working naturally and organically through their life, whether they have schizophrenia or not. That is so, I mean, isn't that what Christ did when he was here? He didn't say, okay, let's sit down and talk about, you know, why you've chosen to do all these things. And if that's a mental problem or if you're depressed, he just was like, let's go to lunch. Right. What are you thinking about? Da, da, da. And he just was there. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing we miss that, 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 the way Jesus treated mm. people, he he didn't look at the labels and and the or you know diagnoses or things like that. He looked at them because um, he always sees someone deserving. There's this big message of we don't deserve heaven, we don't deserve Jesus. Well, then why did he come anyways? So the thing is, is it says that he loved the world so much that he would lay down his own life. Then that says we That's deserve. That's shocking. 
So when we look at the, the Luke 15, you know, and, the, and about the, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, if you notice, they already had worth before they were lost. And the worth was just being reunited with the owner the, 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 and the father. Interesting. And so the, they never lost their worth. So, and there's this big message about brokenness and, you know. Yeah, it's overused. You know, and, and, and it is. And I, and I find that because the brokenness message always points to original sin. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the, the difficulty is, is that then people are always wrestling over trying to get over their hangups and things like that. When it's really. Like, can we ever? Well, the, we can do better, yeah, but but I think I think that the 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 narrative the meta narrative here is that it's not about being broken; it's about being whole. Mm-hmm. That's the message that I think Jesus came. Mm-hmm. You've been made whole and complete in Christ. So why are we still talking about brokenness? Yes, we have broken things in our lives, mm-hmm. but our identity and who we are is whole in Him. The wholeness of Christ in you with the wholeness of who you are, learning the beauty of who you are, moving you away from the ashes to rest in your beauty. And so that brokenness message, what we're missing is it's not about original sin, it's about original love because that was before sin. It was original love. And so what Christ came to do, mental illness or not, is to bring us back into original love because that nature of sin and all that, it's dead. Mm -hmm. So we're not trying to discipline into more of God. We're trying to release more desire of what we already have in Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's a different way of looking at things. And, and even for somebody who's in depression or anxiety, they're not thinking like this. They're Mm -hmm. thinking God is out there. I got to do something. I'm not safe. And, and, I've, and I love how people are, um, even with this strong anxiety, how they're finding their security in God. I'm not telling them what scriptures to look at. We look at different things and, and whatnot, but they start coming with their own revelation and they, and they usually find the scriptures that talk about God will not cast me out mm. because it's a worth thing. It's not about unconditional love. It's about his worth mm. towards and the, his, his worth towards us because he sees us worthy. And so it's a different message and we're being reunited and integrated mm-hmm. because, and then, you know, then there's the, um, you know, it's the brokenness out of your brokenness, then you'll minister to other. Out of your misery, it turns into ministry. And honestly, for me, <laughs> those are just a, fl- a few cliches. Okay, those are a few, okay but which for, I've heard. Yeah. And the, yes. So for me, I'm like, I don't see that in scripture because the scripture says in 2 Corinthians uh, 1, it says, out of the comfort yes, you've received, that's right. yes. that you will comfort others, yes. not out of your brokenness and misery. So why aren't we ta- understanding what comfort is? And the actual word for comfort in Greek is actually the, the same roots of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So we're talking about an integrated union mm-hmm. with Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit, the Father. So we are integrated with comfort, mm. no matter our trial, no matter the voices, the hallucinations, the anxiety, the, the, the wrestling that we go through, we are constant in an integration of comfort and out of comfort will serve and help others. I don't need to try to tap into the brokenness message. Right. There's the comfort and the hope. And that's what he gives us. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, ask you a question. What happens when someone has a terminal condition 
whether it be chronic pain or whether it be a disability, and they can't feel God's comfort. It's hard to hear he's the God of comfort when they, they're like Job on the city dump trash heap covered in scabs. So what do you say there? Where do you begin? You know, I, honestly, I don't say anything because there's nothing. That's so great. I, there's nothing I could say that will convince them out of their pain. There's nothing that I could do uh, in a sense uh, that would spiritually change their lives and, or, um, and, and I surely don't want them uh, watching me every week or watching another person or this or that as surviving off somebody else's revelation uh -huh. or something. Uh, with somebody like that, uh -huh. you just sit with them. That's so cool because... It's the ministry of presence. Yes, yes. And sometimes it's just not saying anything. And you know, that brings us into an understanding of sometimes why God is silent in our suffering mm -hmm. because he's just sitting with us and say, and that presence says, it's okay, I'm with you, I know you're hurting. And sometimes I always tell people, you know what the secret prayer that God would just really just like gets excited to answer? What? And, and, and I'd say, okay, so you wanna write this down? Write this down, okay? You could, and, if you, and if you could take this and expand this into a whole book, you'll make millions, okay? Do so, tell. All right, so here's the, here's the, here's the prayer that, that God uh, really just, oh, he just gets uh, excited. Go. All right. Uh, that's it. Because and, and he's there and you're there. Because uh, uh, the groaning's too deep for words. And he says, you don't need to intercede. I'm interceding for you. I'm with you. And it's okay. How can we get that in the book? <laughs> yeah, well, but the thing is, is that that sometimes it just comes through the experience. You're right. And and not not an emotional experience, just that journey. Because you notice how um, people that go through suffering and even mental illness, and we, that's a whole other conversation about the beauty of mental illness, right. is that they get profound insight. Uh -huh. And but sometimes it's too simple for everybody else because they want something dynamic, but they'll just say. Yeah, no, God loves me. And for them, it's a deep well. But for somebody else, they just can't tap into that because mm -hmm. they, they want they want the Three bells and the steps. whistles. They yeah. want the steps. They want the lights, the shows, and all those things. And that's okay. That's fine. That, uh, but, uh, but I think it's, it's when somebody's in that journey, just sit with them, laugh with them, live life with them. That was Jesus. He lived life with with everybody, you know, he, he didn't, he wasn't, how many times was he in the temple? And when he was there, what was he saying? Mm -hmm. Hey, you guys, you guys are- You guys got it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, and so, but the thing is, is like, I came to be with you. Mm. And so I know you're hurting. So let me be a part of your journey. And and that's, and that, and for somebody in that, in that, that pain or mm. chronic pain, you know, it's okay. Because I know when I first started this organization, I would spend time, I, I remember spending four hours with a guy who was um, completely delusional and mm -hmm. psychotic and just got out of the hospital. And he was great. And we sat at Taco Cabana, mm -hmm. you know? And now I don't have that kind of time anymore because we've grown so much, but, that, but that's where- that's The ministry where of presence. Yeah, but that's, that's who he is. Mm -hmm. And that's because that's the ministry of presence when you're in silence, sometimes is enough to say, grace is sufficient even now, and I know you're hurting. I don't know if it was in our last interview or when it was, but uh, my daughter said, 
um, a while ago. She goes, you know what, Mom? I first started to believe that God was good when you would get up really early because it's the only time I had to spend with her. And actually, we'd fall asleep by the fireplace. She goes, when you finally just shut up. (laughs) 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 That's my baby. (laughs) She goes, you were there, though. You were interested Mm -hmm. in being with me. And we both slept. And just recently, 10 years, 12 years after that, she has showed an interest more in church than ever before. And she goes, Mom, I want to enter my brother's world who's so disabled. Mm. She goes, I wasn't able to be present with him because I was trying to cover up my own stuff. Right. But I want to be present with him. That's the comfort that you're talking about. Yeah. It came later than we expected. Right. But from what she, from saying nothing, which is so easy. Right. To her accepting her brother, it's, I mean, it's miraculous. Yeah. And you get to see that every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't spend time with everybody. Yeah. But, <laughs> I know. But, but I think, but but what, you know, because I, and this is something we talk about as an organization and our team is, you know, we're not trying to reproduce ourselves. This right. isn't about trying to reproduce Dr. Stanford or me or my team. It's about reproducing the principles of the what church. of what these groups are, uh-huh. do in the church, because we want to see community reproduced, not what we have to say, mm-hmm. because the community is there for each other, and they create the the movement and the of hope and comfort for each other, and that's that's what the kingdom's about. And so, mm-hmm. if we fade away and nobody knows about us, I'm great. That's great. Let's, I don't think you will. Though. No, but but, <laughs> but 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 you know. But I think that the thing is, is I. I don't want I don't want to build off what I have to say. Mm-hmm. It's building off what they have to give. Mm-hmm. And these communities have something to give. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the 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 tools or they don't have the mechanism like a group like this to be able to give to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what the church and people in the church with these difficulties, that's what they're crying out for. Give us a group so that we can give to each other and help mm-hmm. each other through this journey. And they do and the stories are amazing. Um, as we close and as, as you speak to pastors and people in the church, what are some words that you would give to the body in general, whether you are in a home church or you're a, you go to church when you surf, you know, wherever? What would you say can be transformative in the days ahead? For mental health in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the first thing I would, I would um, encourage is patience. We're in a learning curve. You know, th- this has been a such a challenging topic for the church for so long, and there is a shift happening, but be patient. Mm-hmm. There are some people that, that, you know, they really have that agenda for this, and, and that's great, and we need to see them in Washington and different places, but when it comes to the church, let's not push the pastor or the church that this has to be the make or break ministry that's gonna change the world. Let's just be patient and invite them into the dialogue mm-hmm. with, within that. And then I think the second thing is um, is have that conversation. Allow the conversation to take place within the church. Mm-hmm. Don't push for the, the the group so fast and things like that. It's just allow the time to grow comfortable with this insight, this knowledge, mm-hmm. and get the right information. So mm-hmm. patience and then conversation. And then in that conversation, let's let's introduce things that help educate the the pastor. Don't okay. send them. 10, 20 articles and things like that. Maybe it's just the first part of this little free ebook that we have, just the first 10 pages or something. 
just to, to get some insight or and, and or meeting with the pastor and being able to tell the story and, mm -hmm. and things like that so that they get some education and they're warming up. And then the other thing I would say is as far as working with the church and uh, with that is allow them to see the research. You know, we have research on our groups that this works for and in the church and it's ecumenical. So it's not one denomination over the other. So it's a process. And so because pastors want to see is this does this really work or is this some Can I measure it? You know, you know, so so we have that information available. And but also look at other organizations in the community and different things that are happening. And but it, that's what I'm saying is give the church and the pastor time to become comfortable with this conversation and 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 be with them in that journey. Because I, I just see when pastors feel pushed and they, they just kind of back off and say, hey, wait, hold on, uh, you know, it's too much for them. So inviting them into the journey and helping them through that process of learning and becoming comfortable and to also see the solutions of how this, this can work in the church. And so maybe we'll have the, the solutions little presentation that I do online in the future. And that might be another, another resource where pastors can sit at their own time and explore this because they, they have questions. And, they, and, and when I, that's why I like doing these solutions uh, presentations uh, live because um, I get to interact with the pastors and they ask some great questions, spiritual questions, really? theological questions. Um, uh, all kinds of dynamics and all types of backgrounds. And I just, I love to engage with it and, and help uh, break it down in a simple way so that we're not afraid of this. Um, and that uh, we don't, and even if we don't have all the theological right answers for it, we have a basis where we can all agree on, hey, people need help. Like I can sit and talk with you for another two hours and I'm looking at our time <laughs> going, dang it, I wanna know what are those conversations and, and what are some of those great stories? Yes. Um, Thank you so much yeah, for pushing on. You. And just from where you've been in the last three years, has your own message changed in ways? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly reading. Um, I, I, you know, on my own time, I'm I'm just diving into research, uh, psychology, neuroscience, and always it's learning. It is fascinating, and I think that's where the future's going. And we're looking at innovative, uh, excuse me, we're looking at innovative ways yeah. how we can really incorporate this type of support and make it really simple. And there's a lot of things happening, not just from what we're doing. We're just one brick in the wall of of the, the massive things that are out there that are really helping people. So we're we're not trying to compete, we're trying to collaborate. So right. yeah, so I think that the, I'm always learning something new. And even with this understanding of where God is in the journey, mm. it just gets more beautiful. And, and I'm always learning something new. And I spend hours looking at these scriptures and Greek and Hebrew and, and all these things so I can understand what does it really mean when yeah. God says he loves us? Yes, because I remember when we did our last interview, you would come off the mission field, you just started this, and, and it, the love part has become deeper in you than it, has, than it was. Not that you weren't loving, but it's like, it's like all over you now, <laughs> which well. <laughs> shows that, yeah, well, I'm not there at dinner time, well, yeah. but it shows, though, that there's transforming power in the message that God loves us. I mean, Jesus loves me, this I know. Yeah. Well, and, and it's balanced. You know, it, it, it's, it, I think it's because we're still learning and we're still growing. And, and, and again, we are uh, in that process of 
to, to learn deeper what this all means. And at the same time, yeah, you're not there when I'm talking to my kids. You know, <laughs> I'm and, glad you weren't there when no, I was talking to mine this morning. <laughs> no, well, you know, and I'll have a conversation with my daughter sure. and she, she's like, you know, and I'm trying to get really, you know, I'm getting into it and it's really good. And, and then she says, uh, could you repeat that last thing? Because I completely zoned out when yeah, you were talking. Yeah, I was like totally in, on the football <laughs> field with my boyfriend. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're, we're real, so. That's great. How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can get uh, you can find us on our website, uh, mentalhealthgracealliance.org. Uh, look at our blogs and our videos that we have there. You can look at uh, our programs as far as the the Grace Groups and the Thrive Workbook. That see if that might be helpful for your journey. And uh, of course, if you have any other questions, we have our email address and our phone number that you can reach us at. Okay, that sounds great. Well, thank you. And I just want to let you know, I have. I mean, I've talked with Joe now for a couple of years, and what he does works because it's we've incorporated a lot of stuff. And um, if you just are feeling like you cannot go on, you can just one more minute contact Joe, contact me at Insight, insight.org. Um, we are with you in this and are here to partner with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. I want to know all those studies too. Yes. <laughs> okay, we're done. I was supposed to shuffle papers like the news people, but I always forget that. <laughs> like, what have been some of those stories? Like, just 